Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we'll have industry experts with their insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news that impacts your agency and organization. Today, we will have Casey Ellis, CEO of Bug Crowd. Good day, Casey. How you doing? Well, sir. Let's squash some bugs, man. Indeed. One of the things we've seen in the news of late is the Juniper backdoor, which really caught a lot of people off guard. What ways can yeah. bug bounty programs help identify these type of issues? What are some ways that bug bounties can help identify some of these issues? Well, I think, you know, there's the whole thing of Linus's law with, you know, the whole, like, with many eyes, all bugs are shallow um, thing that gets passed around. I think OpenSSL, you know, the Harpley stuff that came out, um, Shellshock, and there's been a bunch of bugs over the past two years uh, that have proven that that's not the full story. Uh, really, where bug bounties come into it is, you know, what I believe to be true and what would seem to be true based on the results we see uh, is that with many eyes and the right incentive, all bugs become shallow. So when it comes to identifying, you know, backdoors that might have been slipped in or even, you know, accidental coding flaws that have that have created something that might be similar to a backdoor, the more folk that you've got actually incentivized to look for it, uh, the more likely you are to find it. And and the key difference there, I think, is that, you know, when you've got folk crawling through code and, and looking through it, in a, in a normal circumstance, like how things are done day to day, they're looking at it through the lens of trying to make it work for them. They're not necessarily looking through it, uh, at it through the lens of, you know, how do we exploit it? How do we identify vulnerabilities and different things like that? You know, how do you better incentivize the kind of people that have the skills to identify security flaws to actually go in and hunt those out and, uh, and bring them to light? So, yeah, that's how I think it could have helped. Case, I want to shift focus for a second. You and I have had several conversations um, at AppSec USA over the last several years about formalizing bug bounties in the government. Of interest to me is understanding what type of bugs are being found in open source in hopes of helping improve automated tools and finding similar type of bugs. What are your thoughts on that aspect of bug bounty program being used to make automated tools better? What are your thoughts on that? So, in terms of the ability for, for bounty programs to make automated tools better, I think there's a there's a huge opportunity there. But you know, the thing you've got to keep in mind that is that we've been working on ways to try to solve automation as a way to identify vulnerabilities uh, for for a long time now, and I'm not sure that we're going to improve it like in in drastic leaps and bounds over the next period of time. I think the thing is, how do you you know, make the human more efficient at the gap that automation leaves behind, right? Like you run static code analysis on, on open source software, for example, and you're going to get the phone book because uh, that's what SCA tends to spit out. And then at that point, it relies on a human to interpret those results and figure out what's meaningful uh, to an attacker, which becomes the highest priority for a fix, right? Um, that's something that, you know, the the the, the where human automation where human uh, kind of input on this process can can mix in with automation that's a, that's really a big part of what we're trying to trying to build out here and, and make happen uh, because it's it's going to be you know really a hybrid between the two for as long as I can see it moving forward you know humans are responsible for, for creating software humans are ultimately behind attacking it so humans are always going to provide a, a pivotal uh, point to uh, to defense 
In terms of government, do you see any specific benefits of having a bug bounty program established and formalized in the federal government? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the, the biggest barrier to government, I think, is trust. And, and to be frank, that's the that's the thing that most folk uh, who see this as a good idea have reservations around this, this idea of, you know, we're inviting people that we're traditionally used to being very active about keeping out and, and making sure that they don't feel invited. Um, all of a sudden, we're changing our relationship with them and actually asking them to come in and take a look at stuff and report it to us. Um, that requires a level of maturity and a level of understanding of of the trust uh, that, you know, you're implicitly granting the internet if you put stuff out there, right? You know, not everyone's up to that point. I, I would posit to say that the majority of, of businesses aren't ready for that, um, and especially government because, you know, for, for, for you guys and, and for folks that would be looking at it from that angle, you start to get into issues of sovereignty and, you know, are we by accident, for example, uh, offering incentives to people on OFAC listed countries uh, to come and hack our stuff that, you know, we have to then figure out a way to back out if that's ever successful. So there's all of these different considerations. I think practically the way to do it is to start privately, find a group of people uh, within the community that, that can be trusted and that have been vetted to a level where, you know, this is okay, it gets over the hurdle of is this a good idea and people get off the back foot and onto the front foot. And start there, see the results that come from, from incentivizing people in this way and getting more than one set of eyes on target and kind of grow it up from there, if that makes sense. It'll happen at some point. Like that's, that's something that I see as being almost inevitable in the future. Um, I do think that future is still at this point a fairly distant one, but there's some very easy, positive, simple steps we can take to, uh, to move in the right direction. So we've seen bug bounties program be successful in a lot of large corporations like Microsoft, Google, Facebook, so forth and so on. I would like to know, what do you think makes for a successful bug bounty program? What are some key aspects or components that makes for a successful bug bounty program? The biggest thing there is really understanding how to align expectations between two groups of people that, that are fundamentally pretty terrible at, at getting along, right? Like the hacker community and, and the folks that build software and run companies, you know, they clearly need each other and they need each other's help. Um, but historically, they, they, they're terrible at actually reaching the agreement on, on basically anything. Um, so really what it comes down to is, you know, the people component of, of how this all rolls out tends to be the most critical factor in, in its success, right? You know, like, for example, if you make a commitment to the crowd uh, and you go out and say, okay, here's the things that we're going to commit to as, a, as an organization. Um, if you do this, that, and the other thing, then we agree to give you safe harbor from prosecution or the shoot on CFA or whatever else. And that's kind of the normal terms of, of a disclosure program or a bug bounty. And then if you add to that, you know, the incentives and different things like that, Really, at that point, it becomes about making sure that you're sticking to those commitments that you've made, um, even if, you know, at some point in time you've realized that they've been the wrong ones and you need to adjust them, right? This is all based on trust and making sure that uh, that both parties trust each other and it can be a, a beneficial relationship between the two moving forward. And that's the hard part because, as I said at the start, these are two groups of people that are fundamentally terrible at getting along. So, yeah, in, in my mind, um, it's the number one mistake that I see companies make when they launch these programs on their own. Um, they they overestimate 
the requirement for, for managing the data that it generates and, and how to you know fix vulnerabilities and different things like that. Like that's certainly incredibly important. Uh, but the human element and making sure that you can manage the crowd, you know, speak hacker, so to speak, uh, and, and keep everyone happy and, and on the same page and moving towards the, the ideal outcome. Um, that's the part that I think gets consistently underestimated. And really, that's sort of where, where companies like, like ourselves and, and others that are in this space come into it. It's like, how do you, how do you make sure that, you know, this is a simple idea to implement? Like any company can go out, stand up a page and say, Hey, come hack us. What are you going to do after that? Right? Um, we come in and say, okay, here's the things that you need to consider. We've gotten very good at making that work for you. So, so just keep that part to us and you can get on with, with running your business and dealing with the issues that get found. I think you alluded to this in your in your initial comment, but I wanted to kind of expand this. So obviously there's a concern for any type of bug bounty program, whether or not data be compromised uh, in terms of any type of threats to the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of sensitive yep. information due to a bug discovery, right? So what's the best yep. way, do you think, what's the best way, do you think, to address and mitigate these type of concerns? Yeah, I mean, the, the best way to mitigate those concerns is to make sure that you've got the ability to fix these issues as a company when they're found. And, and the reason for that being the priority is that ultimately you can't control the hacker. Like, you can't control the adversary that's wanting to attack you. And, and I think, you know, this whole idea of if we invite people to do this, then we're suddenly increasing our risk. I can understand it because it's it's a confronting concept, I think, to people that, that haven't really been engaged in this in the past. When you think it through, it actually doesn't make a lot of sense um, because, you know, the adversary at this point in time, you know, prior to an invite is, is unchained and uncontrolled as it is, right? You don't have the opportunity to control their behavior. What you do have the opportunity to do is to identify what they're going to be able to exploit if and when they come knocking at the door. And, and that's where... You know, this provides this whole kind of idea of engaging the crowd, engaging the white hat research community, getting their input, getting this feedback loop between, you know, your engineers as an organization and the folks that are thinking full time about how to break what you built. Um, that's the best way to find vulnerabilities and actually start to learn how to prevent them in the future, which is the part that you can control. Casey, it's been a pleasure talking with you on bug bounties and figuring out ways to formalize it, in particular in the federal government. One last thing. I would like to get your thoughts on what can we expect in 2016? What what are some expectations in 2016 for bug crowd? Well, in general, just the whole bug community in terms of programs in general. Two things in particular. I'm seeing a trend on the attacker side to move away from, from piecemeal uh, financial data. Um, so, you know, we're seeing... Uh, this whole idea of like 2014 was kind of really the year of the credit card hack, you know, 60% of the U.S. getting their card compromised, so on. And then there was this shift almost towards targeting PII, and some of that's state-sponsored, some of that's, you know, cyber criminals, financially motivated, all of these different things. But, you know, what that tells me is in the back end of it, they're getting better at monetizing more sophisticated types of data. And um, that changes the the kind of threats that we can expect moving forward. So, that's going to be interesting to, to watch play out. Uh, and then really when it comes to bug bounties and this whole thing, you know, I, I, I started the company in 2012. And at that point in time, I spent most of my time explaining to people what a bug bounty was. Um, that's certainly not something I need to do anymore, which is kind of cool. Uh, and really, you know, what we're seeing 
on our end of things is is all sorts of organizations, not just you know your, your, your typical kind of Bay Area tech startup type company um, coming to us and saying, how can we leverage this because this solves a problem that we have. So you know, 2016 is going to be another year of the bug bounty, I think. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I would love to get the experts in the bug bounty in a, in a roundtable to really discuss some ways forward and figure out ways we can use bug bounties to create a healthier cyber infrastructure and a cyber internet. Thanks again, Casey. I appreciate it. And Absolutely. I'll see you hopefully in August in D.C. because AppSec USA will be in D.C. this year. I'm looking forward to it, man. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I think we have to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest today, Casey Ellis. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning in to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on Fed Screw Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, Peace.